Brooklyn's Radio. Loving events in Surrey. And we're here today at the Bourne Valley Garden Centre Food and Craft Market, and I'm with uh, Kat. And uh, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Graham. Very good. Good, good, good. Well, can you just tell us a little bit about today then? What's happening? Yes, we've got a food and craft market happening here today from 11am to 4pm. We've got falconry shows um, at 12pm and 3pm. And we've got food food vendors and also local um, craft and arts and craft stalls here today. Right, okay, and a great atmosphere is here. Lots of lots of food to, to consume and drink and so on. There is, yeah. There's lots of food samples to, uh, to taste and drink samples from the likes of Silent Pool and Thurston's Brewery. We've got our suppliers, Cottage Delight, cheeses from our farm shop and um, lots of other suppliers as well. Yeah. Right, and Bourne Valley is such a large garden centre. I always thought it was a destination in its own right, isn't it? It's not just plants, is it? I mean, they've got the bedding plants. No, we've got um, homeware department, we've got our restaurant, we've got outdoor furniture, outdoor living items. Um, Yes, we've got our farm shop as well, which um, does specialises in local local suppliers and local produce. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at Christmas time, the whole place comes more like a fairy grotto, doesn't it? That's right. We've got our Santa breakfasts and Santa teas and also lunches coming again. So we'll be booking for those soon. We've also got October Halloween events with Jelly Kelly once again. Um, breakfast with Jelly Kelly, which we're now booking online. So please go to the website and book your tickets if you're interested. Yeah, you need to get in touch with that quickly, I would imagine. It sells fast. It does, yeah. It's, booking's available all online now. So it's yeah, very easy to book up. Yeah, and I know, I always pop down here and get my Christmas tree. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll be selling um, live art- artificial and real Christmas trees once again, yeah. Right, well, thank variety. you very much for talking to me today, and uh, we wish you every success again with the event. Thank you, Graham. Thank you very much for coming. And I'm with Simon from Thurston's Brewery in Horsell. Hello, Simon. Hi, how are you? All right, thank you. And you, just the weather for a beer, right, isn't it? Beautiful, yeah, it's lovely. Lovely T- day. Tell us a bit about Thurston Brewery. How did all this get going? Um, well, Thurston's has been running for about uh, seven years. It started in the kitchen of the Crown Pub in Horsell. Um, John and Antoinette, they wanted a bit of a USP for the pub. So John decided that he would give a go at um, brewing in the kitchen. Uh, and it really went from there. It became very popular and and grew and grew. And we had to find uh, new premises, which we did uh, just a couple of doors away in the high street in Horsell. And uh, we're a four and a half barrel plant. Wow. So yeah. producing about um, fifteen hundred litres uh, twice a week. Right. OK. And is it going to the Crown and other, and other pubs? Uh, it, d- it does go to the Crown. Uh, the Crown really is our tap room. It has about three of our beers on um, daily. Um, but we also um, support uh, other local pubs in the area. Uh, Weatherspoons, um, Moon, on, uh, Moon on the Hill. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we do uh, quite a few in the, in the surrounding area. All right, was it a bit of trial and error to begin with and what sort of beers you're going to do? Was it mostly stouts, is it? Uh, our first beer was actually a light-coloured beer called Stedman's Ale uh, after the original brewery that was in Horsell, uh, or actually yeah, more, more the Woking end, but that was called Stedman's Brewery uh, and that closed down just before the First World War. So we brewed a light-coloured hoppy beer uh, and called it after that. Um, since then, uh, we've brewed a range of beers, beer styles, uh, golden bitters, uh, best bitters, milk stouts, porters, uh, and we've even gone a bit uh, exotic with uh, Belgian saisons and German wheat beers. 
So we do a range. Right, quite a range there. And you say three on tap uh, each week. Three on tap, uh, always on tap in the crown. Right. Okay, and lastly presented, a lot of the labels and the bottles as well. Uh, we've got a very good designer, uh, Lindsay, at uh, Too Much Black Coffee, and he, 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 really, uh, he really makes some great labels and is very creative and uh, forward-thinking, actually. Yeah, and there's something in names these days for beers, isn't there? Uh, there is. Uh, we, we try and keep our names pretty simple. You can have all fancy names, but we like our, our names to be straightforward and to the point so people know what style of beer they're getting uh, and, and what to expect, really. Right, OK, so they can either pop into the Crown or, or how do they get in touch with you otherwise? Uh, they, they can look on our website, uh, which is www.thurstonsbrewery.co.uk. Uh, they can always pop into the brewery. We're based in the High Street in Halsall. Um, they'll find us, uh, 104C, and they can just pop in. Right, lovely. Well, best of luck with the brewery. Thanks very much. Cheers. That's Simon there from Thurston Brewery in Horsell. And I'm now with Jude with a, a very intriguing store, a lovely old Citroen van here, and it's Cripes, it's Crepes. That's us, yeah, Cripes, it's Crepes, that's us. <laughs> so how did all this begin for you? Well, um, last year my dad was very poorly and I was working full time and um, I wanted to be spending more time really with him and um, wanted something a bit more sort of... I was working in a cafe, I was in catering already and just wanted to be a sort of bit freer during the week so I could help look after him and um, this Jack, my son, found the um, the van and the business was up for sale at an event that he was at. He's a producer and he was at an event and um, came home said, I found the, the right business for you, Mum. I think this will be brilliant. And the rest is history, really. We phoned up the lady and, and bought it and um, it just meant that I was a bit freer right. um, so I could go and look after my dad and whatever I needed doing. And, and this has just been really good fun. It does look that's like really good fun. I mean, just describe it. It's a sort of an off-white van, isn't it? With the the side there all op- opened up with a counter, isn't it, for serving? And you've got a, something on the back as well. Yeah, he's um, called Bertie. He's 41 years old. He's an old Citroen HY van. And um, he's of an interesting drive. He's only got three gears. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not keen on hills. I think his top speed is about 40, 45 miles an hour. Oh, you're popular. Yeah, we are very popular. Yeah, absolutely. Driving down the A3 people are beeping us from behind but um no but he's great and we get a lot of looks you know as we're driving along the road and lots of beeping and everything because people are more interested probably in the van than they are the crepes sometimes well, well, i think it's a great eye catch at any event like this you're fighting for people to come to your store on somebody else's aren't you yeah, so let's tell, talk about the food a bit the food yeah. offer what we got okay we've got um crepes sweet and savory crepes we sell um we've got a, a big selection really nutella banana nutella strawberries lemon her biscoff has been really popular i don't know the little biscuits you get with your coffee oh yes yep um they that's always really popular and then savory mozzarella uh sun-dried tomatoes and pesto which is a bit like a pizza in a crepe <laughs> that's delicious um and then we do gluten-free and vegan sometimes not all the time but um if we're asked for it for weddings and things we can cater for gluten-free and vegan which is really important these days a lot of people are asking yeah. for, for um you know alternatives right so you got a winning formula there then so is it, is it mostly made up at home then uh the baton is made fresh as we go actually oh really uh, right. yeah we make it fresh as we go so that it stays nice and fresh for you because we um you know you don't want it hanging around so we do a bucket of butter at a time make it fresh and um and yeah that's it they're all made fresh to order right well thank you very much for talking to me jude and no best of luck with cripes it's crepes it's crepes that's us thank you come and have a crepe later on i will thank you <laughs> thanks very much 
Hello there. I'm I'm here with Mitch from Royal Surrey Bees, and his stall is covered in in wonderful honey and all sorts of interesting uh, artifacts. Mitch, would you like to tell us a bit more about your business? Hi, my name is Mitch. I'm I inherited this passion from my grandfather, which he used to run over forty hives by himself, and now. Like the time is passing, I think I it's like a virus for me now. And I'm running myself 80 hives for the moment. 80 hives. So was your grandfather, when was that? He was after the Second World War. And he, he tried to find a quiet place and he retired somewhere in the mountains. And then he developed this passion. And slowly, slowly he started to look after the bees and love them. And do all the the things to to try to to protect them from from the environment. Because so so which mountains were those? They are Carpathians. Tell me where. <laughs> Transylvania, yes. That, that, that's a name to conjure with, isn't it? Really. Yes. So when did he come over here? We came here in 2004. So. Not long time ago, but we established in Surrey area. So we are local in Ripley. And I'm running three Aprils now. One is in Perford, one is in Ripley, and another one is in Walton-on-Thames. So what skills do you need to keep bees? First of all, you need passion and then a little courage because, as you know, some of the people are scared about the bees. They can be stung, but... Believe me, the bees, their passion, their drive is to go and forage. You'll never be stung if you interfere with a bee or something unless you trouble them on their uh, So h- how much time does it take up a week to uh, look after them with, with 80? I mean, how many bees have we got in 80 hives? I never count them, but I know roughly a colony is about between 40,000 and 80,000 bees wow the type of hive you are using or so you've got what 40,000 on average in in each hive yes in the summer they are around 70 80,000 in the winter time the colony is restraining and they will cluster and the amount will will be smaller so i mean are you so tell me a little bit about the honey that you've uh, you've made here got here we got two sortiments this is the spring honey which is you can see is very light and very runny and if you look inside you also can see a piece of comb oh yes exactly how the bees will do it in their colony yeah so on the frames they are doing this piece of comb and in the end when it's finished they will cap it to the small layer of wax for the honey to be in this stage, you need to uncap it, each cell, and then extract it by spinning. Because I like a thick honey. What's the difference between thick honey, which isn't runny? Thick honey is the one later in the season when you can find here in the in the honey lots of brambles and uh, heather. And sometimes, if it's early in the season, you can have rapeseed oil honey, which is also crystallizing very quick because of the amount of the glucose is inside. And 
Yeah. So you've got other products as well on the uh, on the, the the table as well, haven't you? Yes. So what else are you selling? We've got the cut comp, the pure cut comp. So this is exactly what you can see in the hive. Yeah. It looks like a miniature hive. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Then we got some thematics mugs, you know, with the bees and uh, we are all the money we are doing. We are trying to reinvest and make it buy more hives. <laughs> well, that's that's brilliant. Thank you ever so much. I just think this is wonderful, and and the best of luck to you and to Royal Surrey Bees. Thank you very much. And on now with Alice. Hello. Hello. And can you tell me a bit about your business? I think it's believe all involved in embroidery. Uh, yeah, a bit of everything really. So um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Art by Alice Jenny. Um, at the moment, I do a lot of embroidery. Um, I also do watercolour painting, um, some clay work, some knitting. So a bit of everything really. Wow, quite a variety. <laughs> Have you always had an artistic bent? Uh, I like to think so. I learned to knit when I was quite young. My nan, who I'm here with today, taught me to knit when I was quite young. Oh, it's her fault, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She gave me the bug and and then, yeah, it's just kind of spread from there, really. Well, it was great to see these crafts continuing, isn't this day of everything being manufactured absolutely. by robots and machines, definitely, isn't it? Definitely. And some real love going into this, yeah, I'm sure. definitely. I think it's really, really important to, to be able to do something, something like embroidery especially. It's not something you see nowadays, but I have a two-year-old son, and he likes to try uh, and help and likes uh. to pull the needle through and it oh, they are training a, him already oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah it sounds like slave labor to me <laughs> yeah a little bit you know just want to get a bit bored <laughs> anyway today you've got you've got some circular embroidered pieces there are they yeah, to sort of yeah. go on the wall yes yeah, so we've just got um embroidery uh these are signs so bit of a mixture really there's some that would be good for wedding presents or new baby presents and home sweet home for housewarming that sort of thing but yeah and do you do things to order if people want something particular yeah yeah absolutely i've done some room signs especially for kids bedrooms so a bit personalized i've done some with dogs on and dinosaurs my little boy's got a dinosaur up on his wall and has his name on yeah yeah they're always popular dinosaurs so a lot of theme of love here today i think actually isn't there yeah there's a lot of love love signs yeah but they're really good for weddings and wedding presents engagement presents that sort of thing right well thank you so much for talking to me just to remind us then of your uh, website etc yeah so it's art by alice jenny right thank you alice for talking to me thank you very much and i'm now with jen from uh, just because looks like a very tempting stall here lots of uh, lovely things to eat and uh, can you tell me how did you start the business um i decided to uh, start the business because i was uh, missing home and all the uh, recipes and everything. So last year, I just decided to start making all the recipes that my grandmother and my aunt started um, doing when I was uh, young. Um, and then people started uh, started sharing this with uh, everybody, both friends, family, and colleagues. Um, they were quite uh, pleasant, uh, surprised with it. Um, then I thought, okay, let's just give it a go. And so far, people have been uh, receiving it quite well. See, it's a South American treat. So, so which country are you from? Uh, Venezuela. Right, okay, so how long have you been here? Um, I came here for two years, supposedly, and I have been 17 now. <laughs> you must like the rain. Yes, totally. <laughs> I cannot live without it. <laughs> so tell us about these, these, these things. What, what's different about them, too, to what we could get here? Um, even though they look like, you know, giant macaroons, they are completely different. They are biscuits. Um, they are made uh, with corn flour, uh, so they are naturally gluten-free. 
Um, what I have been doing then is just, of course, use the original flavor, which is the dulce de leche. It's a creamy, uh, very milky, uh, thick caramel. And then now enhancing the, uh, the recipes with um, different uh, fillings and, and flavors. For example, the hazelnut, uh, ganache, and pistachio. This is one of the best sellers. Um, the raspberry and white chocolate, lemon and lime, and the salted caramel. And I'm working at the moment in one. Uh, there is uh, coffee, co- uh, chocolate, and roasted black pepper. That sounds really good. I do like coffee and things, actually. So you're looking for new ideas as well, then? Yes, yes. I mean, I, and I also hearing from the customers what, what they would like to try and, you know, different flavors. And the challenge that I got at the moment is just trying to develop a vegan version. Uh, because, you know, I, I have been asked a lot, you know, whether they ha- it doesn't have any uh, dairy or um, wheat as well. I guess that's a bit of a challenge for, you know, going away from a traditional recipe. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, especially because the dough is very temperamental. Uh, right. You have to be very careful when you're doing it. Exactly. Is this all done in your home kitchen? Yes, it is. Definitely. And now I have taken the kitchen, the living room, studio, <laughs> <laughs> all, 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 all of these places. The whole house is being taken over. But anyway, best of luck with uh, Just Because. And I'm now with Felix from Silent Pool Gin. Hello, Felix. Hello. And uh, just uh, for those who haven't heard of Silent Pool, I think a lot of people have now in Surrey, but just just tell us a bit about it and where it's based. Uh, So Silent Pool is just on by Albury. It's on the A25 road as you come down from Newlands Corner. It's right by the Silent Pool itself, uh, which is where we take our name from because we take some water from the Silent Pool and it's actually in our gin. Right, so it's real Surrey water, local water. Oh yes, of course. And of course gin has become so, so popular now in so many varieties. Yes, it has. I think uh, there's been quite a boom in gin itself and it's something that we pride ourselves on is providing a top quality product that's kind of unique. It's got its own special flavour and its, its own special thing about it that makes it such a wonderful drink and helps it stand out from the rest right and i believe you you do play a part from time to time in the bottling end of the process yes of course i uh, i also dip my hand in there because it's uh, a small to medium-sized company sometimes we have to be a bit more flexible in our roles and uh, i do work there and help make sure that this is a top quality product that comes to everyone Right, okay. And um, always getting uh, new mixtures and new varieties? Uh, So we keep our silent pool, our signature gin, as it is, because we believe that it is just wonderful. uh, But we do have our smaller batch as well that helps our distillers. Well, allows them to be a bit more inventive from time to time, really. And we change them up each season normally. And we've got new ones that come in each time, but then also some of our more popular ones, such as our damson gin then we keep those going as well if the customers love it then we do too so what flavors we got this year so at the moment we've got damson gin we've got our rye vodka as well which uh, is a wonderful vodka it's the only vodka we do actually as part of our range we've got our apricot amaro that's uh it's not like a campari it's perfect for those summer evenings our rose gin as well and also our blackberry that goes alongside our silent pool gin that's our Right, okay, and I know you're on, you're on, the, on sort of mainly the promotional side, so you're out and about at events like this all the time. Yes, so uh, I get uh, a wonderful chance to be outside most of the time. It's really quite lovely. Right, we've got a lovely day today, so let's hope many people would like a gin. Fantastic, yes, hopefully. Thanks Thank for you. talking to me today. Time here with Ellie from Bourne Valley, and uh, uh, tell me a bit about the store. 
Oh, good afternoon. Um, I'm from Bourne Valley Farm Shop. Today in the um, display we have three different cheeses to show. We've got Dorset Red, Blue Stilton, Cave Age Cheddar. This is just a sample of the cheeses that we have in the farm shop. Um, we also sell other things. We have um, cook meals, which are very popular. We have the one portion, two portion and four portion. We have field fare, which is sold individually. So we have little bags, so customers can take as, as much or as little as they want. We sell local beers. We've got local bread from Christmas Bakery and Gingerbread Bakery, which is in Waterton-on-Thames. And this stall is, is focusing upon cheese. cheese. Why did you choose cheese particularly? Why did you choose cheese? I was asked to do the cheese. Um, we have obviously a cheese counter. Um, we all have like our, there's three of us that work in the, uh, the farm shop. So we all have our little um, departments of what we um, have to look after. So I do the cheese, Naomi does the uh, fruit and veg, and Wendy does the main ordering because she's a supervisor. So it kind of gives you pride of the things that you're um, you're taking care of i think if it's divided up where, where do you get your cheeses from okay we um have a supplier we have two suppliers um they we have um had local local cheeses but sometimes it can be difficult because the local local cheeses a there's not very many local cheeses but also we have to have it in vast quantities and being a farm shop we can't sell through the volume that they want us to take uh, we our suppliers tend to be british cheeses we tend to stock british cheeses well that's wonderful thank you very much indeed and i'm now with alan from first class falconry we just had a fantastic display alan yeah, it's um, very warm today, but we flew a few of the birds that are capable of cap- you know, uh, coping with the heat. We don't fly the owls in this weather, but the Harris Hawks coming from Central America, Arizona. It's a lot hotter in Arizona than it is here today, so we could fly those and a couple of the falcons we flew. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and we're just here at Bourne Valley Garden Centre, just to, mainly to educate the children and educate, well, even the adults as well, so they can see the birds up close. We're in a lovely shaded tree part under the, in the shade, so the birds are totally relaxed and totally calm and quiet well they always talk calm and quiet anyway but uh, it's just nice just to be out with them yeah I, I guess this hot weather all those feathers and all that and then the owls do begin to suffer do they well you say that but the owls can cope you know like a siberian eagle owl come from siberia you know obviously in the winter time it's probably minus 50 and in the summer in siberia it's probably 40 degrees it's probably a lot hotter than it is here but uh, right. but no she's quite happy she's just sitting down there now all fluffed up in the shade and they've all got access to water you know for a bath or a drink but they very rarely either drink their water or some will have a bath and some won't so but they right. must have access to water and what amazes me when you get up close is just how how big something like an owl is yes we got i say we got a little sunderscop cell there about the size of a starling and she's a sweet little thing she's 11 years old and and even the adults and the baby you know the children say oh is it a baby because she's small and i say no she's that's the size they are it's like a chihuahua dog or a great dane you know they're all dog breeds but some are big and some are small and the siberian eagle owl is one of the biggest owls in the world and she's huge you know she's about seven pound in weight uh, huge big feet so you know they're designed for catching big things but we're not flying her today it's just too warm for her today we could fly her if we was in the shade but obviously we're outside in the you know in the sun and uh, we're not going to do it so obviously the b- welfare of the birds comes first and uh, yeah no they're quite happy just to sit there all preening themselves some have had a bath and uh, yeah they just take it in their stride right as i'm interviewing you you've got one of the birds in your hand at the moment what have we got there yeah we have, well he's not a bird of prey he's a kookaburra um, and and the kids love him he's like so i've had him 11 years 
And obviously coming from Australia, it's a lot hotter there than it is here. And uh, he's quite happy just to sit there and, and laugh at the kids and whatever, whatever. He's just, yeah. he's just great. Yeah, a lovely looking creature as well. A big beak for its size. Well, yes. it. well, he's of the kingfisher family. He's a kookaburra, so he's of the kingfisher family. Uh, but he doesn't eat fish. Coming from Australia, not a lot of water, but he'll eat snakes and lizards. And he uses his beak purely to grab hold of his prey. He's got no grip in his feet at all. But all the power and all the grip is used with his feet, uh, with his beak. Right. Well, take us through who you were flying today. Was, was it Billy first of all? Yeah, wasn't it? Billy. He's a five-year-old male Harris hawk. Uh, all bre- like I say, all these birds today have all, all been bred in captivity. They haven't been taken from the wild. All those more birds are prey in the wild now than there's ever been, which is absolutely fantastic. So we had little Billy the male Harris hawk. We flew. Uh, then we flew Jimmy, who's a Jer peregrine, Jer falcon, crosses a peregrine falcon. He loves the heat. You know, if we're up, up in Scotland, friends of mine up in Scotland this week, grouse hawking, um, you know, in this heat, they can they can cope with it. No, no, he came out with a hood on. Now, why'd you do that? Yeah, he's, the hoodwink someone. Keep him in the dark, keep him calm and quiet. In bird of prey keeping today, like I say, we're, we're not a falconry display today, we're a bird of prey display. Um, but there's so many sayings that relate to everyday English language. To hoodwink someone, keep them calm and quiet. The more he's being flown, the more he's being fed, and eventually he's fed up. Uh, I'm at the end of my tether. All the birds are tethered, not to stop them from flying away, it's to stop them from eating each other. So when we first get the bird feeding on the fist, he jumps to the fist for food. I'm at the end of my tether, I can go no further. How long does it take to train one then from scratch? Um, yeah, from scratch it probably takes probably about two or three weeks but then you'll spend is that all yeah but but then you'll spend the rest of the season getting him fit it's like you and i you know we could probably run 20 yards well i couldn't but hopefully but if you the more we trained the more we got fitter the better we'd be at running it's exactly the same with the birds you have to fly them we try and fly them every other day to keep them fit keep them yeah. in peak conditions yeah, keeping them exercising yes, exactly and that falcon right. i think you were saying can get to 60 miles an hour oh they can well the peregrine falcon is the fastest living creature and they can stoop down at up to 200 miles an hour really yes oh the fastest living creature um they can achieve these speeds because in their nostrils they've got little tiny baffles that diffuse the air from taking their breath away you know you and i were driving home tonight 200 miles an hour put your head out the sunroof we're not going to be able to breathe. He can stoop down at these terrific speeds, or the falcons, and they can still breathe and uh, catch their prey. We obviously love the birds. How long have you been involved in oh, this, then? I'm, I'm 59 now. I'm 40, 47 years. Really? Yeah, so man yeah. and boy, was it? Yeah, Your dad started you then? Or? No, no, it all started when I was 12 years old. Me and my friend, uh, a guy called Boo Slade and John Hall from Stanwall, uh, we was fishing in uh, Stanwall Moor, not catching anything, 12-year-old boys, making a camp doing whatever we yeah, do messing around messing yeah. around we we heard a bell ringing and uh, look around there's a guy flying a hawk and we wow that was it 12 year old boys seeing a guy with a hawk mum gotta get a hawk and that was that was the beginning of it and uh, it just takes over your life really yes yeah, yeah. so, so how long has the business been going then uh, we've been flying birds or well, first class falconry well first class falconry and Surrey falconry I've taken over Surrey falconry's website as well um, so we're uh, first class falconry about 27 years nearly 30 years so it's uh, yeah a long time yeah it must be yeah my daughter's 32 now so crikey yeah it must be 30, 30 odd years how yeah. many birds have you got we've got uh, we've bought 11 today and I think we've got about another 10 at home my so, goodness me, it's quite yeah. a lot. And you're doing these Falcon, uh, well, these various displays regularly, are you? Yes, yeah. Look, yes, look, yesterday we was at um, uh, Saturday, Sunday was at Egham Royal Show. Then next weekend we're at um, different venues and different fates and hotels and things. And uh, yeah, whatever, private parties. 
whoever wants a bird of prey display. So. And actually you're able to get a, a little lad to help you today. Yes. Billy, Billy was being a bit awkward going up into the trees. Yeah, no, it's all, it's all part of the act. He, he goes in a tree. We, we, we weigh the birds every day. And uh, we don't, you know, people say, mm, do, do you starve them to get, to, to get them to fly to you? It's, you know, there's this thing in the paper the other week saying, oh, you know, falcons starve their birds to get them to fly. It's totally rubbish. If they're starving hungry, they're not going to be able to fly. And he'll sit in a tree. And I know he's going to sit in a tree because it's nice and cool up there. And I, and I said to the little guy, yeah, you put the glove on it. He'll, I knew he was going to fly down for him. And it just, and that little, that's made that little lad's day. You know, he's going to remember that for a long time. And probably when he gets home tonight, Mum and Dad, guess what little uh, Riley wants for Christmas? He wants a, a Harris Hawk now, which is yeah. fantastic. It's fantastic to see yeah. the kids involved as well, yeah, I'm got sure. To. You've, got to get, you've got to get the children involved and you've got to get the, even the adults involved, uh, you know, to show them and you know, just to educate them because they don't know, they've never seen birds this close before or a kookaburra this close before he's just I, know. I certainly haven't had a kookaburra this no, close before lovely. he's yeah. inches away from me and yeah, all these other birds on their perches on the floor here as well you know it's just yeah. so lovely to see them yeah, and, no, and no sort of cage or netting or anything no 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 they're, they're all tethered like say sitting on their perch some sit on a, what they call a bow perch and some sit on a block and it all depends on the shape of the bird's feet so a bird that hunts in the woodland will obviously sit on a branch so we've got a, like a bow perch from sit on a bow uh, right. And the falcons that sit on a nest ledge or on a, a, a cliff face will sit on a flat face, and they sit on a, what they call a block. So, and some, you know, we, so we've got a turkey vulture, a Chilean buzzard eagle, two Harris hawks, a white jur falcon, a pure white jur falcon. She's quite happy just to sit there. And most people here today would never ever even would never see another pure white jur falcon because it's so highly strung, they just wouldn't like to sit there. And she's sitting there, all fluffed up, preening herself. She's eight years old. Um, and she just loves people. She totally loves people. So we bring her along. What's the lifespan like for these birds? Then they vary, I suppose. It varies from every day you fly them. Let's say last year we had one that was hit by a car. Which luckily he was survived, so he's all okay. Um, obviously, if we do get any um, things wrong, we would take to the probably the, the best bird vets in the country. Um, you know, obviously get them repaired and fit and healthy. Um, and then, um, but like a little kestrel, you know, when we, 1972, when I started, we, we took a kestrel from the wild, that's what you could do then, and uh, she was 19 when she died, so I had her for 19 years, and that was an old age for a little kestrel. Um, the turkey vultures, I think he's about 25, so he's quite an old man, bless him. Uh, the Chilean's only one, so they're all different ages, the, the Jura peregrine's uh, 14 years old. So every time you fly them, hopefully... We're going to fly them again the I'm next sure day. I'm sure indeed. Well, Alan, thank you so much no, for talking welcome. to thank us. You. We've learned an awful lot today, and there's an awful lot that goes into this, isn't oh, it's, there? It's, it's non-stop, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yeah, Thanks, thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Alan. That's Alan from uh, First Class Falconry and Surrey Falconry. And I'm now with Louise so on a stand called Dandelion and Sweet Pea. Hello, Louise. Hello. <laughs> now, tell me all about this. How did this all begin? Oh, this just began as uh, I love going to the beach and I started finding bits of sea glass. And so I started collecting them and then liked the look of some pebbles and driftwood and started making pictures and uh, hanging decorations. Right, OK, and these are all beautifully framed. You want to, should we just come around and have a look at them just for a, a second and maybe describe one or two? They're all in lovely wooden frames, aren't they? Yes, they are. I try and keep everything as simple as possible. So everything's made of natural materials and... Uh, just sort of natural colours, lots of greens and uh, especially like doing flowers so a lot of my pieces 
I've got leaves and flowers um, and I try and incorporate some simple text so you can sit and look at a picture and have a smile. Yeah, I like the one with enjoy the simple things and just a, a small vase with about three stems coming out with a few flowers on. Yes, yes um, it's the blues. I absolutely love the blues. And they all work very well together with the green. So, yeah, very simple. Um, yeah, works best. And over here then, we've got, we got some, some other stuff as well, these beads on... Yes, um, I've made quite a few things with felt balls, um, the Mongolian felt balls, so mixing that with the wooden beads, we've been able to make some really nice hanging decorations for a little corner of the house that needs brightening up. All right, well, there you are. Get in touch with uh, Dandelion Sweet Pea. Have you got uh, contact details at all, a website? Or? Uh, I've got a website. Um, I'm on Facebook, Dandelion and Sweet Pea, and Instagram as well, Dandelion and Sweet Pea. Oh, you're well covered then, aren't you? Thank <laughs> yes. you for talking to me today. It looks lovely. Much. And I'm now with Victoria from Refill and Refuel, which is obviously an important thing at the moment, an up-and-coming thing about trying to reduce our use of plastic particularly. Yes, that's right. So I am a pop-up market stall at Woking Market um, offering refillable uh, dried food products and lots of plastic-free household alternatives. I know I've seen you there. I think I've bought something already. Yes, there you are. So so the idea is you either bring your own containers to you or do you sell containers? Yep, so you can bring your own containers. I have um, plastic paper paper bags or I sell um, organic cotton produce bags also. Um, So a mixture really, whatever works for you, you know if you can't bring your containers I'm happy to put it in paper bags Um, lots of people bring their old Tupperwares their jars whatever they want to pop their things in really yeah it's a good idea so you get regular customers now coming back with their containers that's correct every week I have yes lots of regular customers I sell out of all my popular pastas breakfast cereals and all those sort of things every week all the sort of things that you know we presently buy all packaged up with lots of packaging yeah so when I when I started out um, I looked closely at um the most popular food items that we use a lot of that are heavily packaged in single-use plastic and that's where I started from so your pastas your rices your nuts your seeds all those sort of things Um, and then the range has just grown and grown as I've been there over the last six months well I'm I'm getting on in years and my grandfather used to run a sweet shop at a tobacconist in the Fulham Palace Road in Hammersmith and all the sweets were in big jars and you'd weigh them out into the scales and put them in a paper bag absolutely it's exactly the same concept you buy as much or as little as you like um yes and take it home and put it in whatever you want at home well done. I'm sure it's going to be a growing business for you. So Woking Market then each week? Woking Market, um, and I do home deliveries on a Thursday. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, um, Refill and Refuel. Right, Victoria, thank you so much, and uh, best of luck with your business. Thank you very much. Thanks. Hi, I'm here by a little interesting store called Pretty by SSKK. Would you like to tell us more about that title? Hi, Michael. Yeah, my name's Sharon. Pretty by SSKK is uh, just pretty for the pretty fabrics that we use for the beeswax wraps. And the SSKK is for Stuart, Sharon, Katie and Kenny. Right, so you all work together, do you? You wouldn't believe it because they're probably recovering after our daughter's 21st birthday party last night. That's why I'm on my own. But yes, all the whole family are involved. It's our Good Karma project to make the beeswax wraps to reduce single-use plastic. Right, so tell me how you create beeswax wraps. 
So we buy 100% cotton and then I cut it into its shape and then on a baking tray I sprinkle a tiny bit of beeswax, tiny bit of pine resin, tiny bit of jojoba oil and it melts and then I lift it up and just air dry it and that's how a beeswax wrap is born. Brilliant. So where would you use beeswax wraps? Well, we use them predominantly to cover leftovers, not raw meat or raw fish. But if you have a bowl with some leftovers, you can put it over the bowl and use the heat of your hand to seal it over tins. Or we do ones with buttons where you can wrap them up and you can uh, uh, use it as a sandwich or for cakes or what have you. Whatever you would use single-use plastic. Because cling wrap takes 100 to 200 years to decompose. So tell me, what give you this idea then to uh, to set this business up well it's not my idea i saw it a year ago and i thought i like it love the idea but the price was so much on average for a 33 centimeter sandwich wrap you'll pay 12 pounds so i thought i can do that and i'm a writer and inventor so i have a lot of time on my hands so i found them found the fabric did a lot of YouTube research, made it, made them for myself, the family and friends all had them, and then I thought, okay, we'll turn it into our Good Karma project. So tell me, you say a writer and inventor, just tell me two words about that. Um, I have three books on Amazon, uh, one's called WTF, which is a self-help book, one is called Words, which is a poetry book, and one is called Hardware, which is a screenplay treatment, and Inventions, we have a website called buggybeams.co.uk. Say that again? Buggybeams. Buggybeam. It's a, a, um, a, a rotating uh, ball joint lights uh, that are attachable, detachable for uh, push chairs that will be launching on Kickstarter hopefully by the end of the year. Wonderful. What an interesting life you do lead. Thank you very much anyway. And I'm now with Mel from Bear and Fair. Hello, Mel. Hello. Can you tell me a bit about uh, Bear and Fair? How did this all get started? Uh, sure. Well, we started uh, back at the beginning of the year. We wanted to give Woking a zero waste shop uh, and have a place where people could get refills of household cleaners and personal care products, help people to go plastic free and live more sustainable lives, really. Right. OK. And uh, I believe, like I've just been talking to Victoria, you're in the working market each week. Yes, that's right. Every Saturday, nine till about four o'clock. Right, can you just take us around and just see some of the things you've got here? Then? Sure, so we've got um, shampoo bars and conditioner bars here, which are a great plastic-free alternative to the liquid stuff. We also have the liquid refills. Um, I've also got laundry detergents, fabric conditioner, uh, hand soaps, so people are bringing their containers to refill them. Yeah, I see you've got a really big uh, container there with a the liquid in. Yes, yeah, and all of those go back to the supplier to be refilled when they're empty, so there's no plastic waste, which is what we're aiming for. Uh, we've also got uh, over here, these are really popular plastic-free alternatives to kitchen cleaning products, so we've got loof, um, loofer washing up sponges, coconut scourers, we've got wooden dish brushes, um, and they're all made with plants uh, and plant materials, so you can just compost them at the end of their lives, which people really like. And they really look attractive as well. How do you go about sourcing these? Well, I've got several uh, suppliers and we try and get things as locally as possible. So, for example, our beauty products here are actually made in Guildford. Um, and again, we're working on getting those uh, in a circular system so that people can come and just refill them. Yeah, we've got to get back to that, haven't we? And I see you've got reusable uh, containers here, cups and stuff. 
Yes, yeah. Again, they're just really easy swaps that make a massive difference. We use Apparently we use 7 million disposable cups every day in the UK. So getting yourself a reusable one is just a really easy way to make a massive difference. Going back to the cloth, I was shocked the other when I saw a BBC documentary on plastics to find that yeah. wet wipes have about 86% plastic in them. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's everywhere and we're just trying to make it as easy as possible for people to cut their plastic use. And you've got straws over there? Yeah, metal straws, they are really popular, especially with the children. Oh, metal straws, so they would last mm. then? Yep, they will last you forever, hopefully, <laughs> if you look after them. Because that's been the, the complaints about going over to uh, paper straws, isn't it? How they, they, they get soggy after 10 minutes or so and you've, you've had it then. Yeah, well, I mean, everything, obviously every product has its own carbon footprint and uses resources to make yes. and ship and then dispose of. So anything that you can change from a disposable to a reusable makes a big difference environmentally. Do I see, is it a toothbrush over there? It is, yeah, bamboo toothbrushes. They've also been really popular. Um, and again, it just saves a whole lot of plastic. You can compost the handles when you're done or I've seen people use them for all sorts of things like stakes in their garden, marking out <laughs> plants on the allotment, things like that. So people get very creative with stuff, which is great. Oh, yeah, yes, as long as they sell. <laughs> okay, Mel, well, thank you very much and best of luck with the business. And people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, they can find us on Facebook and Instagram, bearandfair.co, and uh, we've got a website coming soon as well, so look out for that. Okay, well, best of luck, Mel. Thank you for talking to me. And I'm with Gary, the General Manager of Bourne Valley Garden Centre. Hello, Gary. Hello. Good to have you along here today. And I always think uh, the Bourne Valley Garden Centre, such an amazing place. There's so much in it. It's a very big location, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very large garden centre, uh, one of the largest in the area. And um, very well known for a sheer variety of uh, products, uh, as well as good-looking managers. <laughs> Indeed, and congrats for that today. Uh, and of course, a lot of plants around at the moment to sell. Yeah, um, we've uh, got uh, quite a variety. August isn't particularly uh, the most fantastic month for variety, but um, we all have already uh, bought in masses of um, autumn colour and autumn flowering pr- plants that will be coming in uh, next month, September, to see us through towards um, the winter we're looking forward to those but the ones that we have here at the moment absolutely fantastic yeah indeed any particular trends going on this year at all um not particularly um i think um, ferns um for sure uh, this year uh, seem to have come in into their own um herbs again uh, old favorite but more and more people are uh, actually looking for kitchen herbs to grow their own herbs which is uh, great it's the best way of using herbs fresh from your own garden uh, and actually roses have made a bit of a comeback for us this year quite surprisingly done um, many many roses that's interesting isn't it yeah absolutely and uh, of course besides that you've got all the other equipment to go with gardening haven't you whether it's fencing whether it's pots to put your plants in Yes, we certainly have um, anything from fencing, paving, uh, pots, the plants, the garden furniture, you name it, we got it. Right, okay, and uh, landscaping and so on? Yes, indeed, yep, all the landscaping products. um, And obviously, uh, one of our advantages is we, uh, with all those heavy items and bulky items, and we do do free local delivery, so that's a great advantage to the local community. Yeah, indeed. And, of course, there's so much more here as well. The great restaurant as well and uh, also sort of gift shop as well. Oh, well, I mean, the gift shop, um, uh, Renown, uh, it's 
it's uh, an unbelievable place to uh, shop. I, unfortunately, myself, my wife, my family, uh, all taking advantage of, uh, of, of me. And uh, uh, I must admit, I mean, I've been here a couple of years just coming up and I've worked in many garden centres over the last 30 years. And it's by far the best gift shop in a garden centre that I've ever come across. Yeah, it's really big, isn't it? I mean, it's a shop in its own right. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 it's, it's great. Our buyer, it, uh, absolutely fantastic. We buy products from uh, all over Europe, uh, as well as other parts of the world. And um, actually, the buyer and the buying team um, to keep that momentum going and those types of variety of products, keeping them fresh all the time, they do a, a fantastic job. And hats off to them because it is the best one that I've I've seen in garden centres. Yes, you see, you see lots of different things you wouldn't normally see elsewhere, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, from the cook shop uh, to uh, handbags to clothing, uh, artificial flowers, vases, it's, it's, the list is endless. Right, Gary, well, thank you so much for talking to me today and uh, further success with the Bourne Valley Garden Centre. Yep, thank you very much. Hope to go from uh, strength to strength. And um, it's a family-owned business, has been here since 52, and, um, you know, let's hope it goes for many, many years to come. Yeah, it's really great to see a local business thriving. Thank you. OK, cheers. cheers. And that completes Brooklyn's Radio's coverage of the Bourne Valley Garden Centre's Summer Food and Craft Market 2019. With me, Graham Laycock, along with Michael Grinter, doing the interviews. And Brooklyn's Radio provided the public address for the day with Barry Richards, James Pierce, and Alan Bosson. Brooklyn's Radio. Loving events in Surrey.